0: Auroc Digital. Digital. Stokes Croft, in the heart of Bristol, UK, is a central hub for many creative disciplines. Within this hub, the Bristol Games Hub, is Auroc Digital, a game development studio that are currently working towards the release of Mars Horizon, a space agency management game as supported by the UK Space Agency. This is Matthew of Auroc Digital, and I'll be talking to the team, finding out a little more about how this project actually came to be, and some of the processes that helped in transforming Mars Horizon from concept to game. Let's go in. The day begins with some crucial meetings. The morning meeting and the daily, both vital in updating team members on project tasks and also when the next board game meetup is scheduled, also important. We chat through the tasks ahead and iron out any creases so that we can all progress without any snags. It's an open atmosphere, and one that allows creative thoughts room to
1: breathe. More On design, we have Steve.
0: Somewhat of a space encyclopedia who once told me a story about space cheese. Brody, Brodster. a.k.a. the broster, he programs Mars Horizon. He's convinced all he sees is numbers and symbols wherever he goes. Lara and Alex produce the Mars Horizon Arts. Their asset and UI designs are just beautiful. And overseeing every aspect of production is Dr. Thomas Rawlings,
2: <laughs>
0: design director at Auroc Digital. I figured, why not start at the top? So I grabbed Thomas for a quick chat to flesh out some of the finer details of Mars Horizon and also the power of the video game platform as a primary medium. Here's a clip of Thomas talking at TEDx Houses of Parliament.
2: Games have a lot to bring to the conversation. As a non linear medium, we can do things that other mediums can't do. Games form a primary medium. And if you think about how you understand the world around you, most of us don't experience things we hear about in other parts of the world um, first-hand. We rely on second-hand accounts. So film, novels, books, TV. These form our primary mediums about how we build a mental model of the world. And for those of us who are gamers, games are our primary medium. We talk about... Games as a talking about how we understand media as a big thing, and games are a medium that they're, they're, they're a part of the media. And games are the medium that I really love. Games are the medium I understand. Games are the medium by how which I, as a games designer, understand the world. Games as a medium by which I, as a game player, seek to understand the world. You know, you can pull them, prod and poke things. You can move variables around. You can try different ideas out. You can replay scenarios. It's a great way to kind of understand the world around us. Now, most of us don't experience things primarily, first-hand. We don't necessarily all have those things happen to us. So how do we understand the rest of the world, the things we don't see, that we don't experience? Well, we read a book, we watch a film, or we play a game. And I think that's where this game comes in. It's really important to us that people playing this game, yes, first and foremost, they have a lot of fun, they really enjoy it, they engage with the material. But for us, it's really important that material means something. And so everything within Mars Horizon is a real thing and by that we've set the parameters is that a real government agency or company or uh, other entity like that actually planned to do that somebody sat down and said yeah let's let's make this happen let's draw up the plans let's build a prototype right through to let's actually do it so Mars Horizon is full of those fascinating odds and ends of the space programs ideas weird crazy interesting unfeasible you know we've slotted a whole bunch of those in the game just because they're really interesting and because they're real and because they could have ended up being the way by which we got to Mars and in this game they may well for you as the player have ended up as the way by which you get to Mars
0: so how does Mars Horizon fit into this
2: Mars Horizon is a strategy game about our journey of being a spacefaring species right from that very first rocket that pierces the upper atmosphere, through to the crude mission to Mars. And really, as Mars is our kind of nearest Earth-like planet in the solar system, it's the obvious next step if we want to become a multi-planetary species. And I think we do. Being a multi-planetary species really allows the human race to expand, to, to boldly go where no one has gone before, for, for want of a better term. But I, I think we we, as a species, need to do that. I think it's our next stage. Uh, and this game is really our our homage to the people, the thinkers, the scientists, the engineers, the science fiction writers, the visionaries, who have this idea that we should really be there. And and this is us taking part of that, and you as a player, this is your chance to take part in that. You you can try out these ideas, you can create that Mars mission, you can see how you get there. Uh, And I really love the idea that the feedback of all these different Mars missions together, grouped together as part of the game, maybe can inform that conversation somehow.
0: How does Mars Horizon draw from the real world? So Mars
2: Horizon, we draw a lot from real-world events, real-world plans, real-world ideas and initiatives. When we first created the idea of the game, we were very lucky to receive support from the UK Space Agency. They had this grant program we applied, told them what we are doing, they gave us a grant. But most important of that is, apart from it giving us the space to kind of explore this stuff in detail, is it gave us the ability to talk to people involved in an actual space agency. What is it you do? How does it work? What are the parameters by which you work? And all those various things that come together in a space agency. Um, The science, the engineering, the politics, the finances, the economics, the vision, We wanted to capture and distill those into Mars Horizon. So within Mars Horizon, everything within the game has either been done, was planned to be done, or could be done. It's not science fiction, Star Trek-wise, with warp drives and teleporters. It's science done fiction-wise, whereby what's there could happen. So we could create something in Mars Horizon, you as the player could play it, and then in two, three years' time, that could happen. Uh, and certainly in the earlier parts of the game, where you're covering the previous things that have happened in the space race, you could map what had gone before. But things can also change. Remember, uh, the Russians planned a moon mission. So maybe if you're playing the Russian Space Agency, that happens. The Russians are the first on the moon. Maybe if you're playing the European Space Agency, maybe they manage to get the first satellite into space. They get their, their, you know, They get it all happening before... The Russians did with Sputnik and and that to me is one of the really exciting things is how, how does your history of the space race change and challenge the actual history and again because all of this was possible is possible can happen will happen your version of the space race is actually historically valid even though it didn't happen it could have happened and in that sense it's really exciting.
0: Every member of the Mars Horizon team speaks so enthusiastically of space and the opportunities it can offer. It's often the case during lunch break conversations that the odd space or tech reference slips into conversation that started out as which herbal tea do you prefer. Steve at this point informed me of the difficulties it would prove in getting a herbal tea back into space. Uh, Post-lunch, it was time to delve deeper into the nuts and bolts of Mars Horizon. Mission control gameplay. And yes, this is gameplay that takes place in orbit. I sat down again with Thomas and was joined by Steve to play through some martyrizing prototype gameplay.
2: Prototyping takes on a bit of a board game skin here, full of colourful it's moving pieces, places, astronaut and,
0: astronaut space and spaces in which to add three three your smiling, astronauts. Oh, ones
2: with smiling faces as astronauts.
0: Thomas and Steve <laughs> <laughs> seem to be having <laughs> quite the blast. Well,
2: here. <laughs> suddenly, we've, become become, faces. Faces. we've personalised them. And right. So, when you can hear us rolling dice like this. Uh, what we're doing is we're using this to prototype out the mission control gameplay. And that's the gameplay when you're actually in the mission itself, you know. When you think of space stuff, you think of those dramatic scenes at mission control, the, you know, the Houston Weave have got a problem bit, where there are all, all, these, all these people are sat around computers, reading out numbers, desperately trying to see what's happening. The drama of that is captured in the mission control. The player controls the mission control and they send the orders back and forth. So in the example when you're hearing you know me make a decision on what I'm going to put my actions in, that's basically, in effect, we're allowing the player to tell mission control what to tell the astronauts to do, what to tell the computers to do. That then maps into what we call the meta gameplay at the moment, which is our slightly nerdy term for it. How would you describe the meta?
1: Uh, it's the, I guess, the management management side yeah. of things. It's the, uh, the, the sort of hiring and firing crew and building building up your, your base and your program as a whole rather than controlling the actual mission itself.
2: Yeah, that, that's pretty crucial that these two gameplay elements link together. So what you get to take in, you know, so what when you're rolling the dice, what the numbers mean, what they do, that's impacted on the design of the rockets and the choices you made there. So oh, it, okay. the choices need to reverberate throughout. And, and again, us playtesting this stuff out now, pen and paper, allows us to test those ideas out with a relatively small footprint in terms of how much time it takes us to do it before anyone writes some code against it and we find out that actually that was a really rubbish idea and that was a complete waste of time or that was an amazing idea and we should have done more of that. So the more we can figure out in advance the better we can make the game play later. Yeah, it's, it's, it's important to like let... Uh...
1: So make sure that we're, p- we're pushing people to uh, push their luck, basically, because because it's randomised to a certain degree, what happens to you? Okay, the, so you've only, only got only <laughs> you got a second error in the life support module, <laughs> your, your are going to cry. You cursed it by giving them a smiley face. I <laughs> know, I shouldn't have given them a personality. It's gone,
0: it's gone horribly wrong. Yeah, no, we're no, trying, you. you know, I think this is the key
2: thing to get across, is space, space exploration is really dangerous. space is
1: really really dangerous but at the same time because they put so much preparation and work into it it's Mm. actually kind of boring like the stuff they're doing they have a very very carefully itemized list minute to minute so they're just following steps so putting that in gameplay would be a little
2: bit boring yeah yeah, it's that weird mix of of extreme drama and extreme boredom whereas what we have to do is is find is blend those two things together so the gameplay is engaging so the player feels the drama of it but they also have that sense of control in the meta game about how, how, well, how do you design your rockets so they don't go wrong as much. But if nothing ever went wrong then the game would be boring. But in actual fact I'm not sure it's possible to design rockets where nothing ever goes wrong. I mean they're, they're massive cans of flammable liquid that you're throwing up into the sky. Of course things can go wrong, they, they, they do and unfortunately when they go wrong really badly people die. So it's, it's, it's crucial for us that we represent that reality. Tell us the Soyuz program. They're, they're far too good. At it. Well, yeah. I mean, they've got it down to a fine art. And again, you want to, <laughs> how we, yeah, we want to represent that where people get really good at it and yeah. they just keep doing this stuff over and over <laughs> to get better and better. better. have <laughs> just been trying planned. not to die. Yeah, yeah, Right. New mission parameters.
1: Don't die. Right. So it's all it's all about prioritization. It's like if you wanted to just complete the mission and there was nothing going wrong, you could probably do it quite easily. You just pick the right options and just go ahead. Uh, but most of the time, you're what we were talking about earlier about having dealing with the issues. The the way I'm trying to think of it is every mission is a poly thirteen, so stuff's always going wrong. You're just constantly firefighting and trying to try and deal with stuff. But also because the this side of the gameplay influences the meta game, the management side. You want to be pushing to do a couple of extra experiments, take a couple of extra photos. Yeah, it's because the, the the stuff you do in this will, will bring bonuses back into into the rest of the game.
2: Yeah, and I think I think that's a pretty crucial part of it in the sense that it's not just you deal with the emergencies and the problems that go wrong, mm-hmm. which you do because that a that's in real space exploration and b it's actually quite a good fun to do it. Um, the, the the other part of that is actually if you build really good rockets and you're very good at doing it then yeah, you can over-deliver in the missions. You get what you're supposed to get done, and more. You're able to kind of go above and beyond. And that's also key for us, that in the gameplay, it's not just about the stuff that goes wrong, but it's the stuff that goes right, and the stuff that goes really right. Remember, the player's making history at this point, and we want them to feel that they can.
1: It's it's, it's the difference between, say, two people launch an Explorer satellite at the same time. One of them discovers the the Valhalla belts, and the other one just like has a pinging radio up in the sky. There's a, you know, the, yeah. the, the amount of information they're going to get about space travel and how much that's going to benefit their program is going to have a, a huge difference, basically.
0: Peter Willington, producer and marketing manager at Auroc Digital, talks about how Mars Horizon has evolved since its embryonic early moments to the game it is now, what it was seen as originally. What's making some tea?
3: Uh, and we kind of took this formative idea of running your own space agency. And we never... For the, first, for the first, I don't know, like, month or so of the actual work on it, we didn't quite know what it was that we wanted to, to get across in terms of, was it real-time play, was it turn-based play? We knew that we wanted to represent space management really, really well, and we wanted to represent the science of it really well. But, like, how do you actually get that across in a game? And we took a bunch of time to create a, a number of prototypes. Um, we did all sorts of experiments, some in real time, that were kind of more action-focused space games. Is it, there was a point where we thought, is it VR? And there was um, some VR stuff that we experimented with, and we thought, no, that's not right. Uh, it's turn-based. OK, so we know it's turn-based because we want it to be methodical. We want people to actually think about this stuff. What it ended up being is much more of a... Uh, um, not a puzzle game, but the actual... There is a puzzle, as it were, to solving what you're actually doing when you're out and about, um, floating around in space. Um, so that that took a, a, a quite a, a long time to prototype. But actually, the formation of these, like the strategy layer, I think we used to refer to it as um, the actual way you're actually managing your agency, where you're, you know, figuring out what your what tech you're going to research next, what science you're going to be, um, you know, where you're going to put those science points, that sort of thing, that all came very naturally. That was something that has been there from pretty much the start.
0: Mars Horizon has seen a passion-fueled development cycle. These things take time to balance, and achieving the goal of translating science accuracy to the video game medium comes with its challenges. I was able to borrow a bit more of Thomas' time talking about this translation, the multiple gaming platforms upon release, and the importance of the Kickstarter campaign.
2: It's interesting for us as game developers to consider how how do we map the real to the gameplay? How closely are those correlated? And your first thing might be, well, obviously you make it as accurate as possible. And you do, but remember we're making a game, and games are there to be enjoyed. They're, yes, they, we want to engage you with the reality of it, but we don't want you to be bored. You know, we can't actually say, right, build a rocket, and then you return to your computer five years later when the first rocket's built. That would be tedious. So what we have to do is we make a reflection of what's happening. So I think the best way to think of it, uh, another developer once told me this great analogy, they used the tube map. Uh, so if you think of, say, the London tube map or whatever cities near you, the tube map is accurate in the sense it tells you which train stations connect to which lines, which to which other train stations. You can actually use it to navigate around that space. But it isn't an actual map. Where the tube stations are on the tube map does not correlate to where they actually are in geography. So in that sense, the tube map isn't accurate. But what's the job of the tube map? To tell you where the tube stations are on a, on, geographically? No, it's to help you get from A to B. And I think in that sense, that's how we approach the science. The science and the engineering in Mars Horizon is very much about how do you get from Earth to the moon? How do you get from moon to Mars? How do you get from Mars to Mercury? That's that's the stuff that we're interested in, and therefore that's how we map the science to it. We make it interesting and entertaining and fun, because as a game designer, that's what I want in my games. But we make it accurate, we have that sense of wonder, we have that sense of mission and that sense of reality as well.
0: Was the team's enthusiasm for space enough, or was a deeper degree of research required?
2: So with all this talk of space, you might be thinking, well, you know, how as developers do we, do we just look up all the fascinating things we want to do and go for it? Do we just sit there with the art team, draw amazing looking rockets and just stick those in? Well, yes and no. You know, the team really want to make this game, we're all really keen on space. We've had amazing fun sharing the cool facts we've learned about space, the interesting stories. There's stories of heroism, the stories of real bravery of the pioneers of the space program. That's all been really cool. But in addition to that, we've spent quite a lot of time researching how all this slots together into a game format. How do you translate that mass of cool, interesting events into something that feels stitched together in a coherent way? It feels like natural, how they're slotted with each other. And we spend a lot of time as the development team getting that all right and that's really where you know, getting input from players comes in, getting input from other people. That balance, that flow is really crucial to the overall experience. And also, bear in mind, we're not the experts on space. You know, we've learned a lot and I would say that you know, on the average population we're pretty high up there, but we are far from the experts and there's bound to be players playing this game who know more than we do. And we'd be silly not to tap into their skills, their knowledge, their expertise. So in a way, the development of a game like this is partially about us and our passion and our interests, partly about our knowledge of making games, and that's obviously something we do know, and partly about us opening the doors for other people to play it, to give us their ideas, give us their enthusiasm and give us their knowledge.
0: Mars Horizon is being released on multiple platforms. How is this being handled?
2: Right from the start, we wanted this game to be a multi-platform game. We all play games on different platforms here in the office. Some of us are more PC players, some of us more console players. And so it was kind of natural to say, okay, well, let's support as much as we can. So the game playing experience will be basically the same across all platforms. And by that, I mean we want the experience to be conversant. If you play the PC version, it's not less or more than the PlayStation version or the Nintendo version or the Xbox version. We spent a lot of time building an interface and a user interface, which in strategy games is like half the battle. If you'll excuse the pun, um, so it's really important to us that people playing the game feel it, it's right for their platform, and, and that's something that's taken a lot of our time and our thinking, and, and continues to, and will probably even after launch as we continue to refine and go back over what we do and you know make improvements.
0: Just how important is Kickstarter to a project like this?
2: So we talked, we talked quite a bit about how other people's skills, experience and and how they play the game feeds into how we make it. When you're making a game you get a little bit in your own cocoon, you're kind of like talking to other people involved in the project, there's lots of back and forth and yeah you share all that stuff but ultimately you're in a little bit of a, a cocoon shielded from the outside world. What we really need is other people who have a couple of things in common with us. One, they love playing games. Two, they love playing stretcher games. Three, they're interested in space. And if on top of that they've got knowledge of space, brilliant. The only way we can really make that game so it's more than just our own personal balance of difficulty, our own personal balance of the missions, the gameplay, the flow of the game, is to open that up. And Kickstarter for us is a really good means to do that because, yeah, we're asking people to part with some of their cash and say, yeah, buy into this. But what we know from experience is that person that buys into it, they care. They care that the outcome is really good. They care that the outcome is right. And because they're the sort of person that ultimately, like us, cares too about the game, the content, what we're doing, we're all on the same page then. We've all put something in the pot. We're, we've all got skin in the game, so to speak. And therefore, the input and the feedback of people through Kickstarter uh, is really valuable to us, is invaluable to us, and and actually that's something, that's why we really seek that as part of the project.
0: We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept One we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others do. Mars Horizon is currently in development and is scheduled for a Q4 release on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Mars Horizon is available to wishlist on Steam and will launch its Kickstarter campaign on May 31st, 2018. This has been an AURAC Digital Podcast with thanks to Thomas Rawlings, Steve Martin, Dan Brody, Alex Briscom, Lara Pirelli and Peter Willington. Special thanks to NASA for the availability of President Kennedy Audio and to the UK Space Agency for all of their support. I've been Matthew Walker. Episode 2 of this three-part series will be available soon. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please do subscribe and visit our Facebook and Twitter pages. Further Mars Horizon details can be found over at horridigital.com.